Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello everyone, Charles Watts here. Welcome to another edition of Inside Arsenal. It is Friday I hope wherever you're watching or listening, of course, to this around the world, you're having a very good end to your week as we head towards the weekend. And what a weekend it promises to be. Arsenal versus Manchester City. The first Premier League meeting of the season between last season's top two. Huge game. Always a huge game for Arsenal. It feels particularly big. Another chance for them to end this miserable, miserable run against Manchester City and a chance to move ahead of them in the Premier League. If Arsenal can win on Sunday, they will go two points clear of Manchester City heading into the international break. And that will be a very, very nice place to be. So we'll talk about that game in today's episode. I wanted to focus a little bit on Thomas Partey and the big, big decision facing Mikel Arteta this weekend regarding the Ghana international. We'll have a look at what Gareth Southgate's been saying about Bukai Saka. Um, got plenty of your questions as well. Give my thoughts briefly on Jonas Eideveld signing a new contract as Arsenal women's manager, which is uh, surprising timing, really, I suppose, in a way. But we'll have a little chat about that as well. And so let's get cracking, shall we? So let's talk about Thomas Party now, shall we? Um, such an important player for Arsenal, such a crucial player for Arsenal. He has not played since the Fulham game back in August, but he is fit. He was on the bench, of course, in midweek in the Champions League. He hasn't played any minutes, but he's been training and he's fit. So what do you do with Thomas Partey this weekend? I really think this is such a big decision for Mikel Arteta when it comes to Thomas Partey in terms of what do you do. Now, in the Community Shield when Arsenal played Manchester City, we saw a midfield of Partey, Rice and Odegaard. And it worked very, very well. I thought Arsenal were good that day. Obviously, they needed a last-minute goal to get to a penalty shootout, but I thought they absolutely deserved that goal. I thought they deserved, you know, I, I thought they were a better team, to be honest. After City came out strong for sort of 10, 15 minutes, but didn't really threaten Arsenal. And I thought Arsenal really got a foothold in that game. And I think the midfield of Party, Rice and Odegaard was 
pretty, pretty important to that. And you know, as soon as Arsenal signed Declan Rice in the summer, I was really excited about the prospect of this midfield three, especially for these type of games, the games against City, the games against Liverpool, you know, Newcastle, these sort of matches where if you want a little bit more control, you've got that option of playing Party and Rice together. Now, we haven't seen it since um, the... Uh, the City game in the Community Shield. We've seen him on the pitch together, but of course, Thomas Party was playing in that sort of right-back inverted role at the start of the season. Um, but I would really like to see Thomas Party play or start on Sunday. But of course, it all comes down to the finishes. So this is why it's such a big decision for Arsenal to, to make, because can you throw Thomas Party in to a game like this when he's had no minutes whatsoever? Can you put him into the intensity of an Arsenal versus Manchester City game? Basically cold. It's a really interesting one, I think. Now, obviously, there'll be a lot of data been going on in the training sessions this week. Arsenal will be looking at them very, very closely. Um, and for, personally, as I said, I hope he plays. I hope you have, you know, you play your Ben White right back, then you have Thomas Party probably as the six, and then you move Declan Rice forward a little bit and play him kind of alongside Martin Odegaard. I don't think he would necessarily play in the exact same number eight role as, say, Kai Havertz has been playing when he plays there or Fabio Vieira when he plays there. I think he'll be closer to Thomas Partey if he does. Um, but I just think having those two there in that midfield battle, especially a midfield that is going to be lacking Rodri for Man City, it's a real opportunity for Arsenal to dominate the centre of the pitch. And if you've got Partey and Rice in there together, I think that really gives you a huge opportunity to do that. It just depends on whether Party is deemed fit enough to start him. He's been called up by Ghana, so he's going to be going away on the international break. Uh, so he's not going to have any rest there. So it's like, what do you do? Do you take the risk against Manchester City or not? I'd love to get your opinions on it. Let me know if you're watching this on YouTube in the comments below whether you'd start Thomas Party in this game or you think it might be a little fraction too early to start him. Let me know. It's, it's sort of going to be interesting as well. If you do play Party and Rice and Odegaard, you're sort of taking away one of the potentially attacking options in that midfield because you would think that Havertz probably a bit more attacking than Declan Rice, although saying that we've not really seen too much of that from Kai Havertz yet. Certainly if Vieira was playing there, I think you've probably got more of an attack. You know, he's going to be looking to get in and around the penalty area more than maybe Declan Rice will. So if you do play them together, maybe that is going to have a, slightly negative effects on your attacking output and when you're potentially missing players like Martinelli and and Saka then that would have to come into the thinking I imagine of Mikel Arteta because you want to be a threat you don't just want to sort of control the game in midfield you also want to cause Manchester City problems um, because if you don't then City will just pick you off eventually so you need to be able to so that was I'm sure that will come into Mikel Arteta's thinking as well um, all of those things just make it such a big decision in terms of what he does with Thomas Party, I think it's a really, really intriguing aspect going into the game on Sunday. But like I said, let me know what you guys think in the comments below if you're watching this on YouTube. Okay, the England squad was announced yesterday, as I was talking about in yesterday morning's episode. Um, it was going to be interesting to see if Bukai Saka was going to be in that or not when it was announced at 2pm. He is. Bukai Saka is in it. Doesn't necessarily mean that's because he's going to stay in it, but... For now, he's in it. And Gareth Southgate was talking in the immediate press conference when he announced the squad, saying that he's, you know, Arsenal is still assessing it, basically. They've got a big game at the weekend. And uh, so they'll continue to assess it and watch it and then they'll make a decision. So he's in it for now. But that doesn't necessarily mean he's going to stay in it. And it doesn't necessarily mean he's going to, Saka's going to be fit to play this weekend against Manchester City. England have just taken the decision to include him 
with the hope that he might be fit. And he's been saying, talking a little bit more, Gareth Southgate, about the decision and about whether it's a risk to include Bukayo Saka in this squad. You know, did he need to be, even if he is fit to play for Arsenal at the weekend, would it be better to keep him for, you know, leave him alone for two weeks to let him recover from these sort of niggles that he's been having? This is what Gareth Southgate had to say. He said, I've been a player and I've never, ever taken a risk on a player's physical well-being. And nor would I. I can only go by what Mikel Arteta has said about the last few games. He is in contention for the weekend. So we've obviously got a very important qualifier. We look after the players as well as any other country. We have really good dialogue with all their clubs. I think pretty much all of them would agree that we probably give better feedback than every other nation. They have trust in us that we make the right decisions. Um that are right for the long term whenever we can. We only have 10 matches a year and there's been times when Bukayo, for example, we haven't always played him. But there are certain key games where if it's possible to have your best players, then you want to have them. Which is understandable. Look, he's the England manager at the end of the day. He wants Bukayo Saka playing for him. You would if you're an England manager because Bukayo Saka is very good. It was interesting. He says there he is in contention for the weekend. So obviously Arsenal haven't ruled him out in the dialogue they've had with Arsenal. You know, Arsenal haven't ruled out the prospect of Bukayo Saka playing at the weekend um I still think it's I don't know for me I mean look Mikel Arteta is holding his press conference in uh about three and a half hours time at 1 30 is due to his press conference today at London Colney we know with Mikel Arteta he's going to keep his class close to his chest he's not going to come out in this press conference I don't think either way and say he's going to play or he's not going to play he's going to keep Manchester City guessing we've seen that before with Arsenal you know we've even it was fairly recent, wasn't it, when the Thomas Party injury happened? Arsenal put training pictures out, old training pictures out that had Thomas Party in them, just to throw. Uh, was it United off the scent of uh, the fact that he might be injured? So you know they employ any sort of trick in the book. So I'd be very surprised if Mikel comes out and gives us 100% clarity when it comes to Bukayo Saka's fitness in this press conference. But he might give a little bit of a hint. We'll have to wait and see. Um, but I just look at it. Now, if it is, if there's any doubt over that hamstring, any doubt at all, I just don't think you can play Bukayo Saka. I just think it's too big a risk for what could, it could mean for the long term. You know, if it was, I said this yesterday, if it was an ankle knock, which we've seen in the last few weeks with Saka, if he's had an impact injury and you're nursing a bit of a swollen ankle, you can kind of get through that as a footballer. Footballers always do. You know, no footballer goes into a game 100% fit. They're all, they're all carrying knocks. They do it all the time when you talk to them. And they'll always tell you that. But if it's a hamstring issue, that's different. You can't you can't play through a hamstring issue because you're just going to aggravate it and make it worse, really. It's too big a risk even to play against Manchester City for me. So if there's any any doubt when it comes to Bukayo Saka's hamstring going into this game on Sunday, as frustrating as it will be, I think he has to sit it out. And Arsenal have got to try and find a way of beating Manchester City without Bukayo Saka and without Gabriel Martinelli, which isn't ideal, obviously. But... That's my thinking of it. Let me know, of course, what you guys think in the uh, in the comments below. I just wanted to talk about Pedro Neto quickly. I've been getting so many questions about Pedro Neto. He's in headlines at the moment with Arsenal being linked with him. Pedro Neto is a player, of course, we know that Arsenal like and have followed before. Uh, Wolves have been very, very adamant when Arsenal have sort of gone knocking for Pedro Neto. It wasn't it was last January? Was it last January? It was in last summer. I can't remember which one it was now. Um, when Arsenal really sort of started to push for Pedro Neto and Wolves were having none of it, saying no. Um, those stories are now emerging again. And, you know, here David sent in a question, said, would you take Pedro Neto? Seemingly he is keen to join us in January. Um, would I take Pedro Neto? 100%. I really... When when Arsenal made their move, or when I say made their move, it wasn't... They didn't really go too hard because Wolves were absolutely adamant he wasn't for sale. 
But when it became apparent that Arsenal were looking at Pedro Neto, I was really, really excited about that because I think he's a fantastic player. And I really, really liked him back then when I see him with Wolves. Then he had the injury issues and you kind of looked at it and thought, oh, is he going to get back to his best? He struggled a little bit. But what we're seeing from him this season is that he is pretty much back to his best. He looks really, really electric. You know, he's scoring goals. He's, he's contributing assists. His pace looks absolutely spot on. I watched him against Manchester City last weekend and there was a couple of breakaways where the pace that he got, he got really, really surprised me. You know, he looked absolutely so, so sharp, so quick. And when you're looking at potential options to compete and, um, you know, provide competition for Bukayo Saka, for me, Pedro Neto is right up there. He's the perfect age for Arsenal. He's got all the talent in the world. So fast. He plays real intensity. He can press, he can finish, he can set up goals. So, so David, to answer your, to your question, would I take Pedro Neto? Neto? Absolutely. He was also an Arsenal fan. Well, let's say he's an Arsenal fan. When he grew up, he watched Arsenal. They were his English team that he liked. Um, he's admitted that in interviews before. I've seen that doing around. So maybe that will help. But, but he's got a long term contract, Pedro Neto. I think it's 2027. Um, and, you know, whether Wolves would be even remotely interested in doing business in, say, January. I'd be surprised because of the length of that contract. But, you know, Pedro Neto is going to want to go at some point fairly soon. Jorge Mendes is his agent. And, you know, that is that is a he's got an agent team around him who would be very good at making moves happen. Uh, whether it be in January, I'd be surprised. But certainly at the end of the season and in the summer, if, uh, if Neto's on the market and available, I really, really do hope that Arsenal... Um, at least step up that interest and, and you know, throw their hat in the ring to, to try and get him because I think it'd be a fantastic, fantastic addition. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Okay, this came out yesterday. Jonas Eidevel signed his new contract at Arsenal. It was announced and the timing was interesting. I mean, Edu says we're delighted to agree a new contract with Jonas. This is an exciting time for our women's first team as we approach a new season. And this announcement is an important side of our renewed commitments to the journey ahead. As a club, our aim is to be challenged at the top of the game and Jonas will play a key role in helping us achieve that. Head of women's football, Claire Wheatley, uh, said Jonas is a crucial part of what we are building here at Arsenal and we are very pleased to say he signed a new deal with us. He has overseen real progress since joining in 2021, winning his first silverware and guiding us to the semi-finals of the Champions League last year. Jonas shares our ambitions as a club. We are looking forward to working towards them together over the coming years. Um, interesting one. On the back of the Champions League exit, which was 
real, real disaster for Arsenal. Awful result. The fact they didn't even get through to the knockouts. Um, you know, dreadful result for Arsenal. Putting Jonas really under the spotlight. And then they start last they start their season with a home defeat last weekend. Um at the Emirates, of course, in front of a brilliant crowd of about fifty-five thousand losing to Liverpool. And then this announcement comes. So the timing surprise then after two really disappointing disappointing results when people were starting to look at Jonas and thinking, you know, is he going to be under real pressure here? Because Arsenal invested heavily in their squad in the summer, brought in some big players. They absolutely wanted a real good go in the Champions League again this season. They were hoping for really big nights at the Emirates. That's not going to happen now because of that early exit. And now they're sort of already behind in the uh, WSL title race, which is so competitive that you can't really afford to drop points especially at home against teams that you don't, you're not expected to drop points against. And you're always going to be playing catch-up with the likes of Chelsea. You know, we'll see what United do this season. City, I think, are going to be stronger than they were last season. Um, but in a way, it also shows that they really, really back Jonas. And, you know, I remember when Mikel Arteta was given his new contract fairly recently. That was on the back of three straight defeats in the league, wasn't it? When people were looking at it and thinking, oh, you know, is Arteta under pressure? Then suddenly, bang, it was like, here he is, new contract, signed, 100% commitment. Uh, to the project and you know looks like Arsenal have done the exact same thing here when it comes to Jonas and um, you know he's understandably very happy he's very popular at Arsenal Um, so for that regard I'm not surprised the players like him as well as far as I'm aware Um, and and he is you know he believes he's building something there and he does have a squad to do that this season I think he's going to be under pressure for results you know this contract won't change that he needs to deliver he needs to deliver on the pitch and they need to bounce back from what's been a really, really disappointing start. But uh, yeah, certainly good news for Jonas Seinerville anyway, signing his new long-term Arsenal contract. If you've got anything to say about that, please do. As always, let me know in the comments below. Okay, let's move on to some questions now before we wrap this up, shall we? Here's one from Gorgon, it looks like. Is that Gorgon? It is Gorgon Furkark. <laughs> Sorry if I've got that really terribly wrong. Uh, it says, hi, Charles, is it me? Or am I a little anxious about our season thus far, especially given the consistency of that lot down the road? I do, however, have have full confidence in their ability to spud it up, though, but they seem to have a clear attacking identity. Well, my read on us far is we are in fits and starts. I know the injuries are not helping, but just feel a bit ambivalent in our approach play. The mistakes and lack of resilience at the back also cause concern. Hashtag anxious gooner. Um, is it is it me or am I a little anxious about the season? I think that's certainly not just you. I think a lot of people are a little bit anxious about the way Arsenal started the season. Um, but I have to admit, in my personal opinion, what's going on down the road at Tottenham doesn't sort of feed into that anxiety. You know, you say that, um, you know, they have this clear attacking identity. Tottenham have been very lucky this season. They've had some good performances, but they've also been very, very lucky. They shouldn't have got anything out of Arsenal. You know, Jorginho, dreadful mistake. You look at what happened last week against Liverpool. You can't really get more lucky than that. You know, should have been behind, but weren't because the referee literally isn't doing his job properly in the VAR studio. Even then, you end up playing against nine men for about half an hour. You still can't score. And then you only get the win in the last seconds because the Liverpool player boots the ball into his own top corner. You go back to Sheffield United at home. They were 1-0 down in the 96th minute and they managed to get 12 minutes of stoppage time and turn that round and get a win. So, you know, as, as well as things are going as Tottenham at the moment, I think they are riding a little bit of a crest of a wave with Ange and the sort of the new way, new style he's brought in. But they've been pretty fortunate as well. So, you know, I don't look at Tottenham. They're already out of the cup as well. You know, they've gone out of the Carabao Cup, which is a chance for their silverware. One chance of silverware for them gone. Arsenal is still in that. 
Um, so no, I, I get what you're saying about the anxiety about Arsenal season. Obviously, Arsenal haven't clicked into gear yet, but domestically they're still unbeaten and they're still level on points. I think with Tottenham, aren't they? Um, even though Tottenham are enjoying this amazing start to the season and everyone's having a go at Arsenal, they're still level on points. And uh, so no, I'm not too anxious about Spurs. I have to say, I think they're going to have a good season. I think they'll do well. I don't think they'll get close to Arsenal in the league come the end of the season in terms of the league table. I don't think they're there yet. I think if James Madison gets injured, that they're going to really, really struggle for creativity a little bit. Um, they are building and I think they've made a really good managerial appointment, but I wouldn't be too worried about Tottenham, to be honest. I'd certainly be, <laughs> I'd just focus on Arsenal and I get your anxiety about Arsenal, but I do think there's plenty of positive signs from Arsenal as well. The fact they're not playing that well, they haven't clicked yet, but they're still one point behind Manchester City and they're still level with Tottenham, who everyone's raving about at the moment. There's a bit of a long one here from Yummy Tastic 2523, um, talking about Klopp um, and his apology, uh, not apology, his uh, replay demands yesterday. I spoke about it yesterday and given my thoughts on it, saying I thought it was ridiculous comments. Um, and as much as I felt for Liverpool, and I do feel for Liverpool because it was an awful thing, I can't, I just do not agree with the prospect of replaying games because of a referee's mistake. I think you do that, you open up too big a can of worms that football will never recover from. Um, uh, but Yummy Tastic disagrees. Says I think Klopp is right to demand replay, and I think we should support it. At the moment, PGMO have no re repercussions over continued incompetence. And this isn't an error; it's incompetence. If errors like this lead to replays, and it becomes everyone's interest to reduce incompetence. At the moment, PGMO remain an untouchable old boys club to continue to repeat their errors. They might scapegoat a referee here and there, but the group are fundamentally not fit for purpose and require reform. If we don't have much match replays as a tool in the kit to enforce a standard from PGMO, then what exactly do we have? Hashtags and paying fines. Suck it up, Buttercup is not a vehicle for change. Set a stringent bar. Uh, and okay, you know, you get the picture. If you're really not on YouTube, you can carry on. It's quite a long one, so I'm not going to go through it all. Um, and I get your, I get your thinking behind this yummy tastic, but I, I'm still going to double down on my thought, my thoughts on it. I just don't see how match replays can be, um, you know, the a tool that we can place into football i just think as i said it opens up a can of worms that we'll never recover from it will just be every single club will feel a decision has gone against them and where does it stop i just don't see where it stops you can say oh it's not just you know this one wasn't just a, a refereeing error in terms of a judgmental error it was a pure incompetence because they didn't do their job properly but you could always say that that could always be an argument for something you know a referee not giving a handball and then you know when you get an apology from Howard Webb, which we've seen at times, that's basically them admitting that they haven't done their job properly, even though it's just an error of judgment. And so what? So then you're going to have teams saying, OK, now now there's been an apology. That means we can ask for a replay. And where do you fit these replays in? There's barely any times for games anyway. And suddenly you're going to have loads of games being uh, with clubs asking to replay them. I just don't I just don't think there's any way of coming back from it. If you do it once, it just opens up a can of worm that you can't recover from, in my opinion. Um, so that's why I still firmly believe that replays can't be, it cannot go down that route for um, referees' mistakes, no matter how catastrophic those mistakes are. Uh, last one here is just uh, from KE5943. says, one of the reasons we don't play Zinchenko in the left eight role is that without Timber at left back, you would have, um, you would be one technical player light. You'd be playing Tommy or Kivior there and have one less natural midfielder overall. Arteta wants all four players who make up uh, the box to be technicians. I think this is a really good point, actually. And this was in response to what we were talking about yesterday and me saying I'm surprised that we haven't really seen Zinchenko playing that role in the number eight role and potentially have a Tommy Asu at left back. And, you know, I think this is a really good 
sort of reasoning for why we might not have seen that. And I think he's spot on. Mikel absolutely wants um, those technical players to move into the centre and if and have those players who are there to provide the control. And if you've got Zinchenko further up the pitch and you've got Tommy Asu's the one sort of dropping into that um, as what you call sort of box to sort of control the game, then suddenly you are probably one technician light. And um, yeah, I think it's a really good explanation potentially to why we haven't seen Zinchenko in that number eight role. So thank you very much for your response to that. Appreciate it as always. Okay, that's it from me. Thank you very much for watching or listening to today's episode. I hope you all have a very good Friday, whatever you're doing as you go to see the weekend. And remember, remember Mikel Arteta will be speaking later on today, 1.30pm. He might have even done that press conference by the time you're watching or listening to this episode. So we'll hopefully get some good updates from him ahead of the game against City on Sunday. I'll be back tomorrow to discuss potentially what he's had to say in that press conference. Look ahead further to the game against City. Maybe give my predicted 11 to keep your eyes peeled for that. But until then, have a very good start to your weekend, everyone. And I'll see you very, very soon. 